You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode 31 of the MVP Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Office Apps and Services MVP, Nikki Burrell. Hey, this is Christian Buckley. This is another episode of MVP Buzz Chat, and I'm here with Nikki Burrell. And good morning. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good, good afternoon on my side. Good morning on your side, yes. Well, maybe, Nikki, why don't you introduce yourself for those that don't know you? Yes. Um, so my name is uh, Nikki Burrell. I'm uh, Regional Director and uh, MVP from Germany. I'm just um, coming from the SharePoint ecosystem. I was just, uh, my first MVP award was about uh, SharePoint. And yeah, I'm now in my sixth year being an MVP. Congratulations. Yeah, this was my, um, I'm I'm actually, when did you, what month did you originally earn your MVP? In July. In July. Yeah, so so mine's January. I did tell people like, I'm seven and a half years there. They, for those that aren't familiar, like the MVPs, they would give them out quarterly. Well, it's recently changed where they give them out monthly. However, we're all renewed at the same time. So even though I, so I'm, that's why I say seven and a half years because it being July, 2018, uh, you know, we just got our renewal. Technically I would have gotten my renewal in, in January, which would have been my seventh that I'd be halfway through my eighth. But so it's, uh, I just, as of January, I'll start claiming, uh, eight years, you know, uh, well, I guess that is it. Isn't it fair to, though to say that um, you're uh, you can um, measure based on the number of sliders on your award? I have eight. So. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I think it's just um, actually a rebuild of all these programs, and so we got new categories, and also these these you can get an MVP every month, and yeah, let's see where all this ends up. Yeah, exactly. And we're and as you said, I also started as a SharePoint MVP, and then became mm-hmm. an Office 365, and then we were yeah. Office servers and services, and now yeah. we are Office apps and services and, MVP. Yes. Yes, okay. that's true. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, and we also uh, were uh, given our regional director award uh, uh, that recognition at the same time as well. So we're both brand new RDs and yeah. trying to figure out our way. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about like what what are you working on lately? Kind of what's uh, you know, your company and and some of the projects yeah. types of things that you do. Yeah. So um, seven years ago, um, Samuel Zürcher, also uh, MVP from Switzerland, Christian Glessner, an MVP from Germany, and Hilton Giesenau. Uh, MVP from South Africa, but he's now switched over to Israel, uh, had this crazy idea to find a known company or a known label, and we call it Experts Insight. And uh, meanwhile, all this involved, and there is uh, a new label, which is called Experts at Work, uh, where uh, independent companies work close together in projects. Uh, so, you know, the, the company of Tony Pohl and Martina Chrome at Work, also part of this, they are a strong partner to me. And so as an ecosystem, uh, we are bringing together power uh, in projects to help customers uh, with Office 365, with Azure, with modern technology. So this is uh, from my business perspective, what I do. You know, that, that's a, uh, I mean, it's an idea. A lot of MVPs talk about that as you, uh, you know, are in, you know, in the program. And, and I mean, for those that aren't familiar with the MVP program, the Microsoft MVPs, it's, it's a recognition from Microsoft of, uh, of you know the past year's uh, experiences, the things that you do uh, on behalf of the community. So a lot of people that 
like yourself and myself that write a lot, blog a lot, you know, speak at a lot of events. But, but I think even more so, it has a, it, we, it's generally filled with, with personalities that um, uh, uh, their mind is about sharing their knowledge and about helping clients and whether or not they receive that MVP award. I mean, it's just part of the way that they tick. The, the, it's, it's just part of that persona. Yeah. Um, but it's a, there's, there's this discussion that is uh, fairly common in the MVP circles of, you know, we should form this super team of uh, you know, these, these, these people. Cause you, you suddenly had this benefit of ha- being associated mm-hmm. with people uh, you know, around the world that are mm-hmm. you know, experts in various aspects of the technology and you find people that you like and you want to work with and just great occasionally speaking together, sharing a, a, a slide deck and a demo at a conference. Um, but for, for others, it's like, hey, this is a, there's a business here um, that we together can better serve uh, customers. So it's, uh, I, I think I know everybody involved in. Yes, in- <laughs> you know. So. Um. So I think you don't know everybody who's involved because of the interesting story on this is that we are not only focusing technology stuff. We are just working together with a strong partner doing only change management and a new work style. Um, we're just working together with a lawyer company, you know, about all this GDPR stuff, which is yep. not a technical uh, topic at the end. Um, so this is a wide network working together and about these we work together with, with several people and at the end it's it's one thing to say let's have a beer at a conference or let's let's have a talk about technology or something like this and it's a definitely other story to really do business every one of us got his own company and um, so you have to figure out do we really have the same mindset so we have a, a stable uh, um, situation to do business together or not. And so all the people who are in this network actually just joining the same mindset and we're just focusing on uh, the best for our customers and not what is my personal benefit uh, in, in, in a focus position. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, I mean, the healthiest partner relationships and having helped establish, uh, you know, channel strategies for a couple different ISVs and, uh, and, and done you know, with my own startups and, and, and uh, consulting companies work with, uh, especially now in the last decade, working with uh, companies that are trying to understand how best to partner with Microsoft as well as other uh, you know, ISVs and SIs in the space is, is when you start off that relationship by understanding what the others need out of that, mm-hmm. want and need out of that. And the, the, the more that you do to ensure that that partner gets their piece out of it, the more likely you will then receive the benefit that you want out of it. So it's yeah. you almost don't need to be selfishly in there. This is what I need. You know, give me leads, give me projects. Uh, when it's equitable, when it's balanced, uh, it just happens naturally by, uh, you know, being a good partner. That's it. Yeah. That's the magic behind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I, and, and, for that to work again, finding the right partners, having the right discussions, being able to be very open upfront about, Hey, this is something, this part's not working. We need to change something here. You can't have those kinds of discussions. As I said, I, I know most of the people involved on the tech side of the house. Yes. Um, I've known, you know, like I, I'm, I know that we've known each other since like 2010, 2011, something like that. And yes. I think Christian, you know, about the same time frame. I, you know, got to know him and, 
um, partnered with him back in the Acceler days, I think, you know, and right at the beginning of that. Um, but it, you know, when you, that's one benefit of being able to go and meet people and work across, you know, yeah. um, you know, countries and regions is that you get to know the, the, the people and, and build trust in that and say, Hey, I know who this person is and I know I can have very frank conversations. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. So uh, why don't we, we jump into like you we were starting to talk about uh, like what you're passionate about, what you're uh, a little bit about what you're focusing on. But mm-hmm. kind of what's your passion? Like what do you present on? Cause you are out there at conferences a lot as well too. Yes. So, um, I'm also uh, two times in the States uh, this year for conference. So the next is uh, SharePoint Saturday LA in August. Okay. And uh, then I uh, just have a slot at Ignite conference end of September. And um, so my, my passion or my focus actually is all about uh, Microsoft 365. So Office 365 plus all these security and uh, management features like uh, Azure AD Premium, like Indunes, and so on and so on. So and, in my that little, and that Windows piece. Yeah, no, so this little Windows piece. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, uh, to be true, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Windows guy. So Windows client OS is, is nothing I'm really focusing to. I use it, yes, definitely. Right. But, hmm. So my, my special focus actually is, is on uh, Azure Information Protection. Um, I do a blog post series about this, uh, going really in deep, and I'm in a close uh, beta program with a product group, uh, just uh, responsible for AAP, and we work together on incredibly new features about automatically detect sensitive information types, and yeah, it's all under NDA actually, but but some really great stuff is coming up in the future. So this no, is tell us about all the great stuff that's under NDA. I'm, I've got my note. Yeah, uh, I see. But uh, so sorry about this. Yeah, <laughs> to, yeah, that works. yeah. Uh, I mean, so what? Um, like your last couple blog posts. I mean, uh, are, are people asking, starting to um, you know ask a lot of questions around those those topics? As well, I think AAP is just a little bit unknown still a little bit unknown in the in the in the world outside uh the the tech geeks uh but it's a really incredible feature and it's also uh a, a good thing when you just uh figure out what i need to do uh to to focus gdpr compliance uh, so ap can do a, a really good job for you in this context so uh for me it's one of the upcoming stars in the next years yeah you know, there's, um, I, I know that, uh, so, you know, Microsoft offers uh, a number of different features around and GDPR. And, you know, of course, you're living in a region that's directly impacted by that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, our, so, so you said, I mean, people are still trying to kind of figure those different pieces out. Mm-hmm. I, I thought one of the, um, uh, you know, cool offerings that Microsoft had was that dashboard that where it's, it's not so much about automation of you know how are we going to remain compliant mm-hmm. with with the gdpr but mm-hmm. it's it's more of a uh, you know a manual input to track against here's the things that we know that we've identified what's our progress against that so a large company could go in there and say mm-hmm. look here's the hundred things that we know we need to do to be compliant where are we against these who owns them um what still is left to be done mm-hmm. definitely so um at the end uh, i saw Similar things um, based on, on Excel sheets uh, done by PVC or Ernest & Young, which is focusing to the same story. But yes, if you don't know where to start, definitely this is a good, good help, and it helps you to track the doings you have to do. Um, and, and this 
situation, this GDPR dashboard for Microsoft or all the other stuff Microsoft offers partners and customers in the context of GDPR, there's one interesting topic. Um, so I just uh, wrote a, a white paper about um, how to uh, get compliant with Office 365 and Azure together with a lawyer. So he did all the law stuff because this is not my topic. And I just bring in all the technical stuff and just uh, focusing on which Microsoft product uh, you can use to uh, fit uh, paragraphs or articles. And together we, we create this white paper. And the interesting story when I start working on this is, so the GDPR is about 100, around about 100 uh, separate paragraphs, which is split in 11 articles. And only five of these 11 articles have an IT impact. All the rest is just process, uh, setup, and, and so on and so on. So uh, don't say, if I do everything Microsoft just uh, offers me to do or, or say you have to do this, then I'm compliant. That's not true. It's, it's a part of the story. It's a really necessary part of the story, but it's not the whole story. GDPR is just a, a law thing, not a technical thing. Well, it's, I think there's a, but there's another piece of that too, just on the, on the technology side of Microsoft's, I think there was, and hopefully people still don't think this, but I know that, uh, you know, a few months back as we're leading up to, uh, the, the, uh, regulation going into effect is that, uh, there were some people that were asked like, Hey, are you GDPR compliant? They said, Hey, we're on office 365. So we're compliant. Like, wait a second. No, Microsoft <laughs> offering those services State, you know, they they were going to be compliant with the services they offered, but just by the the, the nature of the the technology, using it and, and interacting with clients, um, you may you know very quickly be uh, you know non-compliant with that, you know, depending on the, your, the process and all the again the non-technical aspects of that. The platform and what Microsoft offers, Microsoft is compliant. That doesn't mean that you're automatically compliant. Yes, we can say this from a, from a special perspective. That's true. At the end, when, when I talk to my uh, lawyer colleague, uh, as you, you know, they say, oh, this is brand new. We don't have any references. Yes, from all what we know today, um, Microsoft seems to be compliant. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little bit like this, right. yeah. But on the other side, my, my lawyer colleague says, uh, when I go to a customer and this customer say, hey, I want to use Office 365, uh, then for me, uh, a lot of uh, questions and to-dos are uh, already marked as done because of Microsoft did a really great job in uh, what they do with their data centers and all the certifications and all this. So with Microsoft, you're definitely on a good way, yes. Well, I mean, with like any new platform, any new system, any new process, there's that hardening process things that happen where it's, uh, it's like building a new house. You have to let the foundation settle. There will be yeah. some cracks that you need to go back in and repair or say, hey, we don't need to fix that. Like we, we but you know, kind of adjust to that. And you're right. I mean, there's not a lot of precedent for how enforcement will happen over, uh, you know, some you know, issues that are found. Is it just kind of, I don't know, normalizes as it's out there in live. It'd be interesting, I mean, just to, to I, I'm sure we'll see a lot of this kind of content, but a year from now, two years from now, to go back and look at how much was, it was hype, was it just the, the unknown, you're looking into the void and not knowing, um, versus what actually happened. I mean, mm -hmm. is there anything that, as you see it now, the law taking effect in, in organizations that are starting to get um, requests for information from end users than that, any any impacts that surprise you? 
No, no impact that surprises me uh, and definitely no impact to any of my customers until now, uh, to be true. Uh, so I think from a, um, from an official perspective, um, they also have to do their homework uh, before they go to the companies and say, hey, good day, but we want to do audit now. Um, though I think the story is more about that. Uh, maybe um, other guys um, in the same project say, hey, you're not compliant. I have to look to your website and your website is not compliant, something like this. I think this is more the story actually. Uh, but I don't have a customer or I don't know about any customer, also not from my colleagues um, who got some trouble because of GDPR actually. But yes, this law is in place and we have to fulfill it. So we have to respect it and have to deal with it. Yes. Well, that's interesting. And so, uh, and, and again, you're, you're very close to what Microsoft is doing around mm -hmm. this space. Uh, you know, uh, there, I mean, are there any gaps? Are there any areas, sorry, areas or opportunity, the Microsoft language, it's not, you know, are there problems? It is, are there opportunities to improve the, uh, <laughs> the solutions that are provided? So I think opportunities to improve or to get better are there anytime. <laughs> but um, so definitely from what I know and also the feedback I got from, from other colleagues and I get especially from my lawyer uh, uh, colleagues is that Microsoft did a brilliant job with the stuff they do actually. Um, of course, I think we have to see now um, if we have uh, the, the first um, references and see maybe what happened uh, in, in other countries or even it's interesting to see what, what the US uh, administration will do, you know, these, uh, um, how's it called, Privacy Act and stuff yep. like this and well, what, what happens. I mean, in, there's stuff happening worldwide to look at. South Africa has um, yes. legislation in place. Australia, I'm not sure where it is now. It's getting very close. And I think America will be right behind it. We've, we've had various standards in place, but I think because of this, um, you know, GDPR is driving change around the world because most of it just makes sense to people. Like, wait a second, you know. Um, and I think, of course, a lot of the high profile, uh, uh, you know, incidents that we've had uh, with the various, uh, you know, the social um, channels and things that that help you know drive that as well. And I, look, I, I think Kevin, I've got a visitor in the the room here, a uh, buzzing around my head. But, uh, oh, okay. but anyway, I think there's a lot of change that is uh, that's happening, um, and it's a it's a good thing. Again, it needs to normalize. You know, it needs to kind of adjust to yes. to make sure that the regulation is not actually prohibiting business to happen. That's a big story. Um, about uh, is this regulation just um, um, also bringing bad stuff? Uh, yes, maybe yes. But on the other side, I think uh, from a general perspective, this GDPR story and all this around is just bringing the focus to data security and data privacy, which is a necessary topic. And I think that a lot of companies uh, didn't do enough about this in the in the past 10 years or something like this. And so I say, if, if someone is just doing stuff with my data and maybe it's just getting money for doing stuff with my data, I will know about this and I will have, the, have to have the chance to say, no, I don't want. Maybe, okay, then I cannot uh, use the service anymore. Yes, it's on right. me, but I want to have this decision. And I think this is fair 
and this is for what GDPR is good for. Yes. You know, I know this is a completely different topic, but one of the things that is most interesting to me about the the infrastructure side of the of the blockchain space mm-hmm. is around the identity management, the ownership, the concept of having it, you know, being in control of your profile, your your information, whether you're signing up for Facebook and LinkedIn or, mm-hmm. uh, or working, well, or going to the doctor and sharing your medical information or your financial information with a credit card company, all these different things that you would be in control of, how any of those entities um, access what they access. And as you said, the, 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 uh, the service provider can always say that you're not providing enough information for us to allow you onto our platform. And there's a decision to be made, but at least then you have knowledge and understanding of what is being used, how it's being used, and yeah. and can make a decision around that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's an exciting space to, to, to be in. I know there's a lot of things going on. And in fact, I've, as soon as we're wrapped up here, I've got a uh, <laughs> an idea. I was going to ping you. So I was actually taking real notes, not fake, like interviewer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, <laughs> well, Nikki, it, it's great talking to you. Uh, I, I'm not sure when I'm going to see you next, unless you're going to be in Copenhagen in November. Uh, yes. We okay, should, well, yeah. that'll probably be the next time I see you because I'm yeah. not going to make it down to uh, LA for that event and I'm not going to make okay. it to Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll be online, so you'll see me all over the place. But. Yes, <laughs> I'm true. So, Nikki, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to reach out and connect with you? Um, so you can find me on uh, Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm using LinkedIn much more than I expect as I start using it. It's also involving two great platforms. So I think these are the best channels if you just want to contact me private than uh, Facebook. Um, yeah, that's the best channels. And of course, we'll uh, provide links to some of the content that you told mm-hmm. me that you mentioned in the uh, the blog post. And, and Nikki, have a great rest of your evening there in, uh, in Germany. You. And, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Christian, thanks for the interview and uh, yeah, see you latest in Copenhagen. Goodbye.